For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Was the United States founded by libertarians? A special Independence Day edition of the Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Every Saturday from 3 to 6 is my normal time, but I'm on live now from 5 to 7 on Independence Day taking your calls, having a discussion about the founding of this country from my libertarian perspective. I was asked recently if the founders were libertarians, in my opinion. And I've said that before. Ron Paul has said it. And I I defend that position, but I had to give it uh, some thought of what I really meant by that. And I'll tell you, but you, I also want to hear from you, were the founders libertarian? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. And my answer, yes, they were, because of the ideas that were behind the American Revolution, behind the Declaration of Independence, which we celebrate today, having been signed 240 years ago, on this day. The... Regardless of the different factions that were coming together, not everybody was on board with the revolution, but what what was revolutionary about it and what was libertarian about it was this radical idea that came up during this time, the Age of Enlightenment, that the sovereign was the citizen that the rights came, were imbued in us as individuals. It wasn't that the monarch was a god or appointed by God or anointed by God and had the right to give or take away our rights and privileges. It was the opposite. We were not the servants of government. The government was our servant. And I, you've probably heard this uh, a million times every 4th of July, and I would not normally just... Read it for reading's sake, but the Declaration of Independence, this is the radical statement, in my opinion, of the Declaration of Independence. It's, uh, and Thomas Jefferson wrote this, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And here comes, for me, the thing that really changed the world, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. If that's the fact, if it's the consent of the governed that gives the government power, then they, they, that means that it is the individual who is sovereign, the individual who is supreme and nothing can take that away from you from us 
So I say that that animating spirit behind the revolution, behind the war for independence, I've been corrected, behind the movement for independence is what defines it as libertarian. But the but there were actually two factions of founders. Some were libertarian and some were quite the opposite. But there were actually uh, those kind of that kind of a schism predated was before the American Revolution that the people who that a lot of the people weren't even on board with the revolution. Of course, where who are you going to go with? You're going to go with Britain if your interests are aligned with that. Even George Washington said you can't expect people to vote against their interests. They're always going to go for what's right for them. But there were there were uh, there was a big faction of the libertarian guys who wanted a smaller government, less centralized government. Maybe the state governments were going to be too big in their minds, but they were absolutely for a limited federal government. And that's why we had the Articles of Confederation, which did not give the federal government the, the right to tax. I mean, that in itself is going to guarantee a small government. And these guys came out as... Uh, they were called, the guys who wanted the smallest possible government were called the anti-federalists and the federalists who wanted to change from the Articles of Confederation, which were quite limited, to the Constitution, which we have today, those guys took the name the Federalists. It was like the first big propaganda coup that they, who were really nationalists, got to be called the Federalists. But they were for the Constitution and what the anti-federalists did, who were against it, they did not want ratification. Uh, one historian calls them the anti-rats, the rats and the anti-rats. But what they did, their legacy that lives on is the Bill of Rights. They insisted, George Mason in particular, who was like, no, like physically, visibly depressed. I think he actually left the Constitutional Convention early. Uh, but they insisted on having a Bill of Rights. And they were fought by, on this by people like Alexander Hamilton, who said, no, that'll limit the power of the government. <laughs> so they didn't want it. But we got the Bill of Rights, and that is the libertarian legacy. And I defend that. I defend that, even though I am an anarcho-capitalist, I look at the American experiment as being the greatest possible experiment on earth that you could ever have in this idea of self-limiting government. And it didn't work that we had the, this age of enlightenment, this chain, this, this moment of clarity where people recognize their own power, that they were the seat of rights, that rights came from God, not from the government. And there was what that what I think was thought of at the time as basically a blank slate, which is very problematic. You had American Indians, you had African slaves. I mean, there were real problems, but those issues were violations of the principle this American Revolution was embracing, was promoting. They weren't a part, you know, they weren't accepted, they were a problem that had to be dealt with. It's the fact that the principle was recognized, according to the Declaration of Independence, for example, that all men were created equal and that government was the servant. These, so this was a moment in time where the spirit of the time, the intellectual change in the time, uh, were perfectly suited to this shift where the government becomes the servant. And who we had at the helm 
these great minds, these dedicated thinkers like Thomas Jefferson. I mean, think about what kind and Thomas Jefferson was on the right side of it. He was one of the libertarians. Him and Patrick Henry are my favorites. They were on the right side of this. And uh, just to give you an, a sense of how fantastic Thomas Jefferson's minds and abilities were, I love this quote from JFK. You've probably heard it, but he JFK had a dinner for Nobel Prize winners at the White House. I think everybody in the Western Hemisphere who won a Nobel Prize in 1962. And he, wrote, he said to them, I think this is the most extraordinary collection of talents of human knowledge that has ever been gathered together at the White House, with the possible exception of when Thomas Jefferson dined alone. I've always loved that because, really, it shouldn't be taken lightly. Thomas Jefferson was unbelievably fantastic, and he was he was at the helm here. And still, of all that, that infighting, the different factions, the desire to use a federal central government as a seat of power, which that faction was led by Alexander Hamilton, my least favorite founder, but that struggle that was lost almost immediately within 10 years when you replace the Articles of Confederation with the Constitution. It was a, a, a like the first turning point, the first betrayal, the first abandonment of the revolution. But I still defend the Constitution and the Bill of Rights as a rallying point, as a place for us to focus that, yes, we have those rights and they are powerful. They are really powerful. And I'm going to go through today on the show the Bill of Rights one by one and talk about what's left of them. How are they violated? How And, and how did we get from there to here? What libertarian principles have been violated uh, because of that? And I and I want to get your input too, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. But another thing that that when I think about this, when I think of how... I defend the Bill of Rights, the Constitution. Something has really been getting to me lately, and I might have mentioned this before, but a couple of times. So I have three kids. My oldest son has Down syndrome. So he's awesome. He's smart. I love him to death. But he doesn't really go out of his way to challenge my politics too much. I mean, he thinks Obama's awesome, but he goes to public school, and I just, I don't want to get him in trouble. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. But my other kids, they go to a pretty conservative school, and on separate occasions, each of them asked me if I love this country, if America is bad. And I have to say, I just am gutted by that. I'm so upset by that, because in their minds, someone like me who's railing constantly against what's happening in this country, that I'm against the country, that I'm against America, but I'm really just uh, at the end of my rope with the traitors who are at the top, who on the left or the right of the aisle defy the Bill of Rights, argue against it, don't respect it, suggest that this that times have changed. If you actually dig into the American Revolution, those times, those conversations are the same conversations we have now. Times haven't changed. It's a struggle between people who would use the government for their own purposes and people who want to keep the power at the level of the individual. And even though that battle did end with the ratification of the Constitution, which was mitigated by the Bill of Rights, 
even though that was won by the guys who wanted the power, the way those guys had to sell the Constitution to the people and the states was to represent it as as really limiting government. So to the extent that they gave that promise, gave that impression to the people about this contract, it's really a contract between the government and the people, a contract isn't enforceable unless there's a meeting of the minds. So if it was mutually understood that this thing was going to be a limited government document, that's how it needs to be interpreted. And I defend it for that reason. And I defend it because we, if you don't listen to people who say they want a constitutional convention, you're never, ever, even if this were flawed, given where it came from, what 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 battle and what took place at this time to get the these words on the page that's the best we're going to do they've been interpreted they stood the test of time they are they do help limit government and that's what it's not perfect and and some of these rights and the bill of rights are slipping away i want to tick them off one by one and I want to read some of your tweets, get some of your calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. And I want to talk about the major turning points in American history that have changed us from this, uh, uh, what I think really was a libertarian beginning, to uh, more of a tyranny now. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am here live on Independence Day till 7, taking your calls. If you want, you just want to kick back and enjoy, that's okay too. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We do have a lively Twitter conversation going though, at Monica Perez Show is my handle. And if you don't do Twitter, it is actually worth, I've had people, uh, Ken recently told me he actually just joined Twitter to tweet with me. There, when you get on Twitter, just follow me at Monica Perez Show, and you become part of a somewhat private, you know, not like confidential, but a conversation with other people who follow me. And it's very uh, libertarian oriented. Very, I we exchange a lot of ideas, and it's surprisingly civil for social media. I have to say. So I had just started the conversation uh, in the beginning of the hour about uh, somebody asked me a question are the liberty are were the founders libertarians and for me there were two factions of founders that's for sure but the libertarian faction thomas jefferson patrick henry george mason left us among other things the bill of rights and a good and and they forced the constitutional ratification gang to promise that the constitution was meant to have a limited government a confederation of states rather than this uh totally dominant sovereign central government so they left us a lot and i do think they're libertarian and i feel like the bill of rights is their legacy and i defend it and i'm going to go through it but my frustration when i go and argue uh just with such passion i get super upset when our legislators at the top right and left doesn't matter go through and eviscerate the bill of rights they they diminish what is necessary for a warrant the biggest thing i noticed the past couple of weeks and i want to talk about it is this attack on due process due process is so important in keeping tyranny at bay otherwise without due process of law to put people in jail 
They can put you in jail for trumped up reasons, for political reasons, but put another label on it. Domestic terrorism, you know, something like that. When I talk about these these issues, when I get so annoyed with our government, with our so-called leaders, I I get upset because my kids think that I rail against this country and I don't consider those people this country. I don't even care that they're elected. I'm not even sure they are elected. I have no faith in digital voting at all. So I don't know what they are, who they are. I know they are not defending the Constitution like they took an oath to do. But when I rail against them, my kids think that I don't love this country. And that upsets me very much. And I try to explain, I try to distinguish the American experiment, the founding principles, specifically this notion of the American experiment was self-limiting government based on the assumption premise that rights are ours in unalienable to quote thomas jefferson the declaration of independence unalienable they cannot be taken away from us and government is our servants and must only operate under our consent and my father taught me very clearly the distinction between what was right and wrong what was our founding principles, our rights, liberty and justice for all, and what was happening in Washington. And I feel like I'm failing to do that for my kids. So help me, Uh, help me, help me. What do I say to them? What do you, what do you say to them? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I got a tweet from Dean saying, tell them that being against country and being against the puppets running the country are two completely different things. And that is true. And and he actually, his comment points something out, which is they're not even just traitors and tyrants. They're puppets. They're puppets. I mean, eh, talk about betrayal. They have betrayed us. And I want to talk about uh, the specifics. Maybe we can fight back. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB. Normally, I'm on Saturdays from 3 to 6, but I have a special Independence Day show today. I'm on till 7, so I'm taking your calls live, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, and you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. What I am focusing on is the founding of this country from a libertarian perspective, Someone asked me, were the founders libertarians? I, I say absolutely yes. The, my favorite founders were Thomas Jefferson, Patrick Henry, George Mason. The ones who weren't were the what are called the Federalists, the guys who wanted to change from the Articles of Confederation to the Constitution. Those guys were Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, who you could say switched sides later on, John Jay, these were the guys who wanted a bigger centralized government, did not want a Bill of Rights as being something that would hamstring this big central government. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about how uh, Thomas Jefferson kind of got us back on track when he became president in 1800, and he set the stage to interpret the Constitution uh, more narrowly, or at least to limit the p- 
power of that was exercised by the federal government. Yes, he had his flaws. I know, but just uh, in broad brushstrokes, that's how it was. And those guys, particularly George Mason, were responsible for the Bill of Rights, as were the states and the people. They just weren't going to take the Constitution without the Bill of Rights. And I see today that our politicians on the left and the right in Washington, so they, the guys on the right walk around with the Constitution in their pocket, but I don't know what they're using it for because they're not reading it. They're not following it. When you ignore the Fourth Amendment or ignore the Fifth Amendment, that is when you don't, uh, when you advocate not having due process or not having specific warrants, you're violating the Bill of Rights. And you can say it's because I'm super scared of uh, whatever, you know, but that's not good enough for me. So I get mad at those guys, and it seems like I'm railing against America because they are standing there with the flag behind them and the Constitution in their hand and all clean cut and acting like they're the guys who are carrying the torch for the founders, but they're not. They've betrayed this country. They uh, they probably work for somebody else, you know, really betrayed this country, sold it down the river. And, and I was just lamenting that my kids get mad at me or are confused by the fact that I'm disgusted by all that, and it makes them think that I uh, am unpatriotic. But the reality is I defend this country, the American experiment, the founding documents, what we agreed to in uh, in the founding of this country. I defend all that stuff, even though I have lost hope in the possibility of self-limiting government. I think that the American experiment appears to have failed, but it's not dead yet. It's not dead yet. I got a tweet from Tim saying the American experiment is not completed. It's not impossible, but damn difficult. So it's not dead yet. The Bill of Rights to me is the one thing that is standing between us and complete tyranny, not just here, but world government style tyranny. Uh, And I, I, I feel like we must defend it. Don't listen to anyone who calls for a constitutional convention. I love Atlanta's own Derek Grayson. If you don't know who he is, the minister of truth, I love that guy. His motto is 100% of the Constitution, 100% of the time. And a lot of libertarians don't love that because the Constitution created this monstrosity of a government. I got another tweet from Volterine saying, I'm with Lysander Spooner on this one. And the quote is, but whether the Constitution really be one thing or another, this much is certain that it has either authorized such a government as we have had or has been powerless to prevent it. In either case, it is unfit to exist. And at first, I completely uh, embrace that. I am an anarcho-capitalist. I really don't think that there's any hope for the individual in the context of the modern state, if only because the surveillance state and the police state are so powerful now that I just don't, I I don't know if you could ever cobble together a revolution without any privacy, without them needing to have warrants, without them needing to have due process. I just don't know that that's even possible. But I recognize that our, really our last grasp on this great American experiment, this uh, Bill of Rights, this libertarian exercise, this manifestation Uh, incarnation almost of the age of enlightenment that our last hold on that is the bill of rights. And so I, I haven't abandoned the constitution 
for that reason. I do defend it. And let me know if you're a libertarian and you think it's uh, hopeless, not worth it, that it's a betrayal to even uh, accept this kind of uh potential risk of abuse of power, which obviously it's more than just a risk, it's a reality. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to John in Duluth. Hi, John, you're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. How are you? Good, how are you doing? Fine. Um, I feel as if the media or the government is trying to pull the wool of the public's eyes in the fact that they say that this investigation over... Hillary Clinton's email server, whether it had classified information on it or not. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is she even allowed, while she was Secretary of State, to have a private email server? Is uh, that a violation of national, national security in itself? I think the jury was out on that. I will address this in, in this, saying this. The... There's two concepts in law, mala prohibita and mala in se. So mala prohibita means it's wrong because it's prohibited, and mala in se means it's wrong because it's inherently wrong. This email gate thing, I understand how bad it is. I understand how upsetting it is, how insane it is for uh, somebody, the Secretary of State, to disregard what was probably a law. But the fact that we are focusing on that which is effectively a prohibition that she violated, is, in my opinion, a distraction from the fact that she and her husband have spent decades, decades, abusing power at the highest levels in in actual criminal activity from uh, who knows where she got all her money, who knows what kind of uh, corruption is going on there. Who knows who who actually got hurt? This uh, Jeffrey Epstein thing, the the child or whatever underage uh, sex workers, slaves, whatever you want to call them. Bill is is uh, deeply implicated in that, and we're not looking at any of this stuff because we're all looking at the email gate thing. I mean, what do you think of that? I think it's all a big distraction. Yeah, I think that that she if they if the media wanted to focus on the real issues with her, they could just read uh, one of a hundred books that are on the shelf about the criminal activity those guys have been involved in. Of the Clinton family alone, and they're trying to wash it all away on us. Right, and I and I think that it's going to work, and that is that is an example of how how bad it has gotten in this country and this is why my kids think i hate this country which i absolutely do not i defend it i love it i miss it you know i'm nostalgic for something that was probably gone before i was even born but But, look how they're bending and twisting the law for the people that think they're above the law that's another thing there's this concept the rule of law which people think it means like law and order it doesn't it means that you don't have a king who makes laws and does not hold himself accountable to it you have laws that everybody even the leaders not the rulers but the leaders are subject to and that is going away and i think hillary is a perfect example of uh, and, and many other people not just on the left get just uh get away with it Thank you for your time. Thank you, John, for calling. And uh, I will, I'll take calls on anything you want to get off your chest. <laughs> if uh, if you're listening and uh, near phone, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, or you can call at Monica Perez Show. 
this, what I'm talking about is that we've gone so far. So even if we, even if, like what my father used to rail about, and I bring him into it because he was a real patriot. He was, and this is going to sound like I'm uh, aging myself, <laughs> telling you how old I am, which I've been cautioned never to do because if you sound too young, people won't take you seriously and you ta- sound too old, uh, they won't be interested. So I'm not going to tell you that, but my father fought in, he was in the Navy in World War II. He was actually so young that he lied about his age to get into World War II, if I recall correctly. And then I'm the youngest of nine, so he was really, really old when I was born. So that'll help the math work for me for a while anyway. So so he, he was a true patriot. A traditional conservative, kind of Barry Goldwater conservative, I guess. I, that probably morphed a little bit. He, my father ended up being probably more libertarian. But he did a very, very good job in instilling in me a love for the American experiment, for the founding of this country, for Thomas Jefferson. He had a, a plaque on his wall of Patrick Henry, is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. I mean, I, I rem- I've had that memorized since I was uh, five years old because <laughs> it was on his wall. So I, I was... I could always understand the difference between the American experiment, this uh, concept of liberty and justice, true justice, not this uh, equality of everybody's equally at the bottom. <laughs> you know, everybody's equally stomped on by by this tiny elite you're not supposed to notice. Liberty and justice, true justice, like you are just left alone and you reap the consequences of your own behavior, whatever real true justice and he would rail against the hijacking of this country by basically socialists in the 60s by the welfare state but i have concluded that it's actually much worse than that that we are so beyond a uh, a infiltration of this alien ideology this alien ideology being socialism we're so far beyond that that we've actually been sold out to what I guess are called oligarchs, whatever, and people like Hillary are uh, so above the law that they can do that and be rewarded in front of everybody and really feels like there's nothing we can do about it. I personally think that election fraud will always comes into play somewhat, and I don't just think it's on the left. I think it's on the right also. But it's, it's worrisome, and uh, it's hard for me to reconcile America today with America then. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Talking about the libertarian roots of the American experiment and how we got from there to here. I'm going to G in Douglasville, but if you want to call 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. Hi, G. You are on with Monica. Hey, Monica. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm all right. Um, I've spoke to you about this before, and I'm going to reiterate it. I really think the problem with our government right now is term limits for the Congress and the Senate. I know you're kind of against that, but I really think that... The inability to get fresh ideas and fresh thoughts into Congress and Senate really is what the problem is. I appreciate right now. 
I'm glad that you gave me another chance at that. I think uh, I would like to say that I really am not necessarily against it. The problem is I have a kind of hopelessness, you know, but I want to tell you something, G. So that's really what it is. I just, and I've got to get past it. People help me. I mean, (laughs) I've got to get past it. But here was something from, I read the Articles of Confederation today because I was interested in how that's what we had for the 10 years between the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, or a little more than 10 years. And and Article 5 says members of Congress are to be appointed by state legislatures. So there was no direct election of congressmen. And, and there was no, there weren't two legislatures. It was, uh, it really must have been effectively the Senate. No congressman mer- may serve more than three out of any six years. So that was an original concept. No congressman may serve more than three out of any six years. And they were appointed by the states, not by the people. That might have been a good way to go. Yeah, I agree with that too. So, but what else is that? You think that'd away, be enough? Well, like I said, we got away from that at some point in time, and I think no matter who's in there, like that's how it is now, and that needs to be changed. I mean, in the end, that's what the problem is. Just, we'll never yeah. get fresh ideas. We'll never get fresh thinking in there. We'll never accomplish things if the same things are done over and over again. Well, I'll tell you. Thank you very much, Jay. I will tell you this: not not just the fresh thinking, but the potential for corruption i've actually always liked the idea maybe it's maybe i've got my history wrong but i thought that the greeks basically had maybe two presidents at a time for one year terms each and i think you just went through a list of the citizens even if that's not how they did it uh it wouldn't be a bad idea where you just get just force people to do it do it for a year and that you have to stay informed to be on the list or whatever. But like jury duty, be hard to corrupt a one-year president like who got assigned like jury duty. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'll get to you, Betty, next. And I want to continue this conversation about the libertarian roots of the American experiment. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.